Welcome to MedKinza Talks, your go-to source for bite-sized content in becoming future doctors. I'm your host, Kinza Hussein, and I'm a second-year medical student helping students navigate the ins and outs of one of the most competitive careers. I will be sharing the lessons I've learned and inviting guest speakers to provide real quality advice to help you get into medical school, succeed as a med student, and prepare you to become a future doctor. Want more free quality advice? Subscribe to my YouTube channel and follow me on Instagram at MedKinza, where I post videos and infographics delivering content to you every week. Now sit back, relax, and learn something new. And don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss any of my latest episodes released every week. Hey, welcome. This is episode 16. In this episode, I have the pleasure of interviewing Sean. Sean is a first-year medical student at UNLV. He recently became a YouTube sensation a few months back and has grown his Instagram following quite a bit with his medical school and fitness posts. I'm so excited to be interviewing him today to hear more about his pre-med and YouTube journey and how his first year of medical school is going. Keep listening if you guys want to hear his stats, extracurriculars, and social media tips. Hi, Sean. Thanks so much for joining me today on today's podcast. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm just getting through my Anki cards for the morning. Oh my gosh, same. I, I did a few of them and I still have a lot left. Yeah, it takes me so long to get through them. I feel like my reviews add up and then it takes me hours to get, how would you say your like speed is for the cards that you do? Oh my gosh, it, it, like, it really varies. Like some days, you know how it like tells you like how many seconds per card you do? Yeah. Like some days it's like, some days it's like 12 seconds and then some days it's like, six to seven so it just depends on like the day and how i'm feeling that morning yeah no i hear you i feel like for those of you guys who have chosen to do the anki method you know what we're talking about i would definitely recommend if there are any pre-meds or first years listening right now if you want to do anki i would get started early it took me a really long time to adjust to it so i'm really glad that i started as a first year yeah anki is definitely one of those grinds that like you you make a commitment to and you know it's gonna pay off but every single day you just dread waking up and having to do it every single freaking day <laughs> like <laughs> that's the first thing i open on my laptop when i wake up in the morning yeah i usually i usually like open my eyes and then like i kind of grab my phone and i'll go through like social media a little bit and i'll do some anki cards and then i'll go through social media a little bit more and then i'll do some more <laughs> anki cards and then i'll get out of bed and like come to my computer and do it there what but, a yeah. way to start the morning, huh? Right. <laughs> so why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Where are you from? You know, we know you're a first year. Where do you go to school? And how is all of that going? Yeah, so I'm from Las Vegas, Nevada. I was pretty much just raised here. And I went to UNLV for undergrad. And now I'm going to UNLV for medical school. And so uh, that's, pretty much, that's pretty much it. I, I didn't know I was going to do medicine until like probably like two or three years ago. So I was kind of like a late bloomer when it came to applying to medical school. So yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. So what made you want to choose? What were you interested in before two years ago? And how did that change? Yeah, so I, uh, I, I thought I was gonna do physical therapy. In fact, I was like, very set on physical therapy. I did all the shadowing, I was gonna take the GRE, I was gonna apply. Uh, I was pretty good friends with the, the Dean of Admissions, like it was it seemed like a pretty, a pretty, you know, done deal. Uh, as long as I just applied. And so I actually had initially wanted to do uh, medicine or that was like my initial idea kind of when I was a freshman, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I was just kind of messing around with different ideas. And I thought medicine might be cool just cause um, I was volunteering with like the Make-A-Wish Foundation. So I kind of got to like, you know, know some of these wish kids and then I kind of got interested in like oncology, but 
I, I kind of just had the idea of medicine. I didn't really like know if that's what I wanted to do. So it was just kind of like the, one of the first ideas I threw out there. Uh, but it was kind of shut down by uh, my counselor because I wasn't like, it, yeah, it's a, it's a typical thing that happens. It's a classic story Everyone. these days. Yeah, yeah. like it, I, I've heard like more and more students like mentioning it, how they'll talk to a counselor and, uh, you know, the counselor might discourage it. And that's kind of what happened to me because my counselor was uh, not only the counselor for uh, the pre-med, but also like the pre-physical therapies or just like the pre-health in general. And so I was kind of more of like a B average student. Um, I had actually failed a math class pretty early in college. I had like in high school, I like remediated biology and like took a bridge for kids. So I wasn't really like so much of like, I was more of like a theater kind of kid, like in high school. And so I wasn't so much like a, like one of those people that you're like, oh, this guy, this guy's a future doctor. Like I wasn't really one of like those kind of people. Uh, and so he kind of was like, you know, maybe consider some of these other things. And so I kind of eventually uh, decided to do like a kinesiology major. I found physical therapy. I really liked anatomy and physiology. Um, and so I thought I was going to do physical therapy. I was like, I was pretty set on it. Uh, and then I was pretty much going to apply. I was finishing my general chemistries. And then I, I kind of had like this moment of like doubt where I was like, did I really like not do, I basically, so to, so to become like competitive for physical therapy, it's kind of the same as med. You have to like, you have to get good grades, right? And so I became like a much better student. I went from like B average with like an F to like, I retook that class, got an A, got like straight A's after that, like from there on out. And so I was like, did I really not do like med? Because like, I didn't think I could at the time, but like, could I have done the same thing? Like become more of an A student and got into med school. So I had, I had kind of like a moment of doubt. And so uh, I, and that was like the cutoff point where I was like, okay, if I'm, if I'm not going to do med, then I, I finish after general chemistry. I don't take any more, but as you know, you take organic chemistry if you're going to do med, med school. And so I was like, if I don't enroll in organic chemistry, then I'm not doing med school. Right. And I didn't really like that idea. Cause I was like, man, I don't want to be like 35 one day and then regret not having like done it as I'm like sitting in this career that I might've just settled for. Not that, you know, physical therapy is like a bad field, but like, it wasn't like it was my first decision and I didn't want that to end up, you know, being something I thought about later in life. So. Yeah, no, good for you. I feel like you won't look back and regret that you didn't go all the way and get your doctorate degree. Right. Whereas if you chose PT, you might've looked back and regretted it only for the reason where you would have been like, wow, I really doubted my abilities as a student back then. Yeah. I really should have just gone for anything. Like I never would have known what could have happened if I didn't doubt myself. So I really like that story. So did it take you kind of like extra time to retake classes or were you able to complete that in the four years? Um, did you only retake one class, two classes? Like what was the timeline of things? Yeah, so um, it was 2017, like right at the end of 2017 when I made that decision. And so I kind of was finishing up what was my third year of undergrad. Uh, but then I had, to take like I had to take basically an extra year to finish my organic chemistries like pretty much all the pre-med requirements that PT school doesn't require so like that's your ochems I still had physics to do um and I think I had to do like a, like like an extra biology just like typical like pre-med requirements and then I took a year to do like my MCAT and biochemistry and then just because of the timeline and everything I ended up with a gap year so I think I finished like all my classes in five years and then had like that extra year of like my application cycle where I had no classes or anything to do. Okay, so you graduated your fourth year, senior year, and that was probably the year you applied, right? The summer right after? 
because then it yeah. took a year to get matriculated. Yeah, so I started started undergrad in 2014, applied in 2019, started med school in 2020. Awesome. No, that's that's great. So what a journey, and I'm really happy for you for going through all of that. You know, it's a big decision to decide you have to take Orgo when maybe you didn't really have to if you didn't pursue this, but uh, you made it through. So that's awesome. So what did your GPA look like going into your application cycle, and what was your MCAT score like? Yeah, so my GPA was about like a 3.66. Uh, I think by transcript, it was like a 3.79, but because they factored in that class that I had failed, which I did retake, uh, so on my transcript, it was a 3.79, but according to AMCAS uh, and AA Comus, it was, um, it was a 3.66, and then my MCAT was a 507. Nice. Wait, that's kind of mean of AMCAS to take in your old grade when they're calculating things. Yeah. They count your they, grade? They, well, they, they, they factor in everything. So even if you retake a class, and this is something I think people tend not to know, uh, even if you retake a class, the original grade is still factored into your final like application GPA. Even though your transcript might say something else because your new grade covers up your old grade, on your actual application, it does change. Wow, I did not know that. And I don't think a lot of people know that. Because whenever I give advice, I'm like, if you have bad grades because you didn't do well freshman year, just retake, retake like those one or two classes. As long as it's one or two, I think if it's more than that, maybe it would be a little bit too much, but it's still possible. But I didn't know that they keep those grades when they cal recalculate your GPA. Yeah. And so I was, I was pretty surprised because I was, I thought I was applying with the 3.79. I was pretty stoked. Uh, because <laughs> yeah. When I, yeah. When I failed the class, my GPA was down to like a 2.7 or something like that. So I was, I was really happy with that. Yeah, but then the 3.66 hit and I was like, man. <laughs> I mean, that's still good. You're still above the 3.5, like average cutoff mark that we talk about, you know, in the pre-med. Yeah, so that's really awesome. Um, did you apply to both MD and DO schools in your application cycle? Yeah, I applied pretty broadly just because, again, I wasn't too confident. I didn't really have like this huge like base of research and all this stuff. So I just applied to like a bunch of schools. Um, and I actually primarily got into DO programs. I got into, I think, four or five DO programs and I got into just one MD program, which is the school I'm at now. That's awesome. So how many schools did you apply to um, for MD and DO? Oh man, I, I have a list of this somewhere, but I think like roughly, roughly, I think I applied to like a total of like 35 schools. And then, yeah. And then I, I think I only filled out about 30 secondaries. And then it was mostly, I applied to most DO programs, like all the way from like this side of the, of the country to like Lake Erie. So like I applied to like everywhere. Um, and then MD schools, I kind of applied to the ones I use like the MSAR on AMC that, that kind of like lets you look at all the stats to kind of not apply to schools that are out of your reach. Yeah. So I kind of added them all on because again, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't super confident. It's not like I was like this crazy applicant that had like a 528 AM, uh, MCAT and like a 4.0 GPA. So I was, I was pretty sad and hoping to only do the application cycle once. <laughs> no, no, that's good. So how what would you say was like part of your extracurricular list, right? That you think really stood out to even the school you might be at right now that kind of made you stand out against other people that were applying? Yeah, so 
something that came up, um, like I said, it's not like I had this huge research base. I didn't do like anything staining and microorganisms and stuff. And so I, a lot, one thing that came up at like, actually every single interview I went to was I have like a history of like acrobatics. Like, so I used to, I used to like do shows and I used to like basically do school and then I'd fly to like the East coast for the, for the summers. I would do shows for like three months. I'd fly back and I would do school. And sometimes I do online school while I'm out there doing shows. And so that was something that I did uh, prior to deciding I wanted to, you know, go to medical school. Uh, and I, I stopped doing that so that I could get more serious about applying to medical school. I still like do it as like a hobby, uh, but I stopped doing it like professionally. And, but at every single interview that I went to, they brought it up and they they asked about it especially uh at the school that i'm going to right now we do like two 45 minute interviews and one of the 45 minute interviews consisted of only talking about that because i guess his kids were interested in stuff like that and so we just like talked about it but every single school i went to that's like one of the first things that they brought up they didn't ask me about i, I did a little bit of like stuff i did some research volunteer work like you know all the stuff but I didn't, that was like the main thing that got brought up was that extracurricular, which has nothing to do with medicine. And so it was kind of nice to like, I felt very comfortable just getting to talk about my hobby and like that kind of stuff. It just made the interview so much better. No, you know what? It makes a huge difference. And when I do mock interviews with people, I always tell them that you need to kind of stand out in any way you can, even if that means like what you're wearing or what for a woman, like what jewelry you're wearing or for a guy, like maybe have a nice watch on. Cause I mean, especially like on zoom, it's kind of hard to look different. Yeah. So I think it makes a huge difference. Like not a lot of people have maybe really unique hobbies like you do, but I think it's your hobby that like made them remember you after the interview. I'm sure they liked everything you said about, you know, medicine and science and like why you even want to do this in the first place. You have a unique Kind, not really super non-traditional, but kind of non-traditional where you were like, oh, I was set on PT and then I realized, no, I want to go to med. So that's one thing. And then the other thing is this hobby that you do that I'm sure no one else they've ever interviewed before had. Right. So I think that makes a huge difference because when they're done talking to you, they're not going to forget who you are. You know, uh, even if not. they forget your name, they're going to be like, oh, the kid that who's an acrobat, like on the side. <laughs> so okay. <laughs> No, that's yeah. really good. So for like our listeners, I want them to know that if you're still young, try to get involved in something unique or different. And if you know you're already reached that application cycle, try to emphasize something maybe that you've already done. Maybe you did it for like five months. It doesn't matter. Just try to think of anything you've done in the past that's going to help you stand out like that. Absolutely. I think people uh, tend to think that when they're doing their application, they could only have medical related stuff on it, but they really want, like, there's the section for hobbies, like sports, extracurriculars, like, even if it has nothing to do with medicine, like, put it on there. It's going to make you stand out. Absolutely. 100%. So my next question for you um, is kind of more about your social media. So you have a really great YouTube page and Instagram page, and I was wondering what inspired you to start and when did you start? Yeah. Um, so like I said, like told you earlier, like I've been watching like other YouTubers. I've been watching like you and like America Revere, uh, just like when I was a pre-med, you know, to get that motivation, like, you know, this is the life I could live one day if I just keep pushing. And so, um, it, I didn't really think about myself doing it so much until, uh, last summer, it was like around July and I was filling out secondary applications. And I remember I had like this moment where I was sitting there like typing up some essay for some school. And I was like, man, like 
this is like, I'm in the next phase. Like I, I've gone through like years of like classes and having to do like volunteering and clinical experience and some research and, you know, passing these classes and doing well and studying. And I was like, I, I did all of that. So I could end up like right here in this moment, like typing up this like 300 word paragraph for this school to hopefully get in. And I kind of have that moment where I was like, man, like, like all of that's done now. I don't need to know any of that stuff that I've done before. And so I was like, man, it feels like almost like a wasted, not a wasted, but like, it feels like I'm the only one who's going to get value from this experience, but I had to put so much of my time and like my energy and my life into it. Right. And so I kind of had that moment where I was like, I feel like it would be nice to like somehow share those experiences with other people so that they could value from it. And it's not just me like dumping all of this prior knowledge and experience and like, you know, everyone has a unique like experience. Everyone has a different way that they kind of got here. And so I felt like maybe I could share mine. And so that's kind of what happened. I, I started my YouTube channel back in like July. I think I didn't really post until like August. Uh, and then that was just during my, my application cycle. So throughout my application cycle, I just made some videos on just my, some tips, like how to study for organic chemistry. And then I would like, I would vlog some of my interviews that I was going on. Yeah. yeah. I like how you started early. You started in the more like application process. And I don't even know if I kind of maybe started a little bit early too, but I really started taking off when I got into med school, I think. Yeah. Um, so that's really cool that you have all of that documented. So what was, um, so I get a lot of people, you know, who kind of ask me like, oh, you know, I can't wait to be in med school one day and also share my journey on YouTube and start that process. And I get questions like, how much money do you make? How do you do this? How do you do that? But I wanted to know, like, did you put in a lot of money to start your YouTube channel? Because I think some people think that it costs a lot. So what steps did you take? Um, no, yeah, I, so I literally just made I just made my channel uh, and I think one of my first videos was like my first like interview and I took it on my like I filmed it on like my iPhone 6s with like my front-facing camera that had like a crack in it so like <laughs> looking back it's honestly kind of blurry looking like I don't know why I mean but I did it and like you know I, that was my first video and I just made it and even now to this day I still I still just film with my iPhone um I don't have like a fancy camera I should I, I feel like at this point like I don't I, I don't I just don't know a lot about cameras but um I didn't really put any money in at all I can't think of anything that I bought I got like maybe a phone tripod but I think I got it as a gift I don't even think I got it like I bought it myself yeah so, that's the great thing about YouTube that's exactly what I wanted you to say I was like I think he uses his phone like I do so that's gonna be great <laughs> advice because I also the only money I put into it is I got a stand but I got a really crappy one from wish.com <laughs> like that app. I don't know if you know about it but you can I get it so a couple months later it finally came in the mail and it was fine but it was like one of the spider web ones and I just don't like it so I did invest in another stand a ring light because I'm always having lighting issues and like maybe a six dollar microphone that I don't even use anymore but me too like I'm currently trying to save up for a professional camera but that's the great thing about Instagram YouTube TikTok all these social medias you guys can just pick up your phone and start you know like if this is something you want to do you literally just need your phone yeah absolutely and the hardest thing about doing something like YouTube is just posting your first video 
Like it, it was really hard. Like I, I remember watching the first video that I filmed and I was like cringing. I was like, I don't even want to post this. Uh, but I did it. Right. And then it just gets easier and you, you get more comfortable with yourself as well. I think people forget that it's also a really good experience just for yourself. Yeah. Uh, get more comfortable with yourself and, you know, just talking. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think that's totally like perfect. Like no money really. Like I don't even have a, like you have a light. Like I actually, every single time I'm vlogging and I need better lighting, I just walk up to this window and stand in front of it because that's where the sun shines in. <laughs> so like, I don't even, yeah, I don't even have a light. Um, but I'm also thinking about maybe getting a better camera just because I feel like sometimes I want to use my phone, but I can't use it in the vlogs because I'm using my phone to film. So that's like my only real. Oh yeah. You know what I do? I take my phone case off. And you can see it in my last video, my night routine that I just posted the other day. I was, like, trying to show, like, oh, you know, like, I play my favorite podcast. And I was, like, I wanted to, like, show a clip of me, like, you know, like, on my phone, like, about to play it. But I don't have another phone to do that. So I use my phone case. <laughs> you can kind of tell. That's hilarious. <laughs> but maybe people. That's hilarious. Know. Yeah. Or, I mean, borrow that's... my roommate's phone. Yeah, no, that's, that's another great way to like improvise. And I guess the whole message is like, just there's a million ways to make a video and just to post and everyone's different. Right. And I think it's also learning, like, you're never going to like your videos. Like even like sometimes <laughs> you, you watch your videos and you're like, uh, I'm, I'm just going to post this, but I should have done this or I could have done this, but you're never going to like love your own videos. Yeah. No, um, the biggest um, battle I have is I have an iPhone X now, um, so I feel like the quality of phones are getting better. So you can start like noticing the lack of quality even in a relatively newer phone. But yeah, um, yeah no, I struggle with the lighting because my camera doesn't pick up low light that well, and I struggle with the quality for sure. Because like I can't use my back camera, which is 4K. It would be nice to, but like I can't see myself if I'm using the back camera. So that's what I struggle with. But yeah, I'm also saving up for a professional camera. I also know nothing about these cameras. So I have a really hard time like dropping $700 on something. I know that other people use, but I don't know anything about it. And then you have to learn how to use it. So I definitely think the beginning stages though, just like how we did, just use your phone if you guys are interested in starting something and just see where it takes you. Exactly, exactly. Because you might end up like not wanting to do it after a while. And now if you've got like this expensive camera or something that you bought, then you're just gonna end up I actually I actually had a um back when I was doing like the shows and stuff while I was doing them, uh it was like the first time that I was like making money. So I actually went and bought a Canon 7D. But then when I started my YouTube channel, I tried using it for a couple of videos. Um, but I just didn't, I didn't like it. I thought it was just way easier to like pull out my phone than it was to like set up a camera, like a big, like DSLR. And so, uh, I think even if I buy a camera, I think it'll be like a smaller kind of one that's easier to, to kind of like carry around. I actually use the back facing camera. I don't use the front facing, so I can't see myself when I'm filming. Um, but I use like the wide lens. So like, I know that I'm in the frame. I just don't know what I look like when I'm in the frame and I kind of just hope for the best. <laughs> yeah, no, I just, I have like, I'm scared that I'm going to mess up if I film using the back lens and like say I'm cut off or something. I don't think I have wide lens on mine. I'm not sure. And then I would really hate my life if I had to redo the entire video. So I play yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> but moving on to our last question, uh, what's one piece of advice that changed your life and that you would like to share with everyone today? Um, you know, probably to go back to what we talked about earlier, where like I had a few years where I, was, I almost didn't apply to medical school. Um, 
you know, don't let someone like someone else's idea of you uh, kind of determine what you're going to do with your life, even if they might be kind of right in the moment. Uh, you still have a lot of control over what you do from that point on. And if you, you know, if you want to make yourself a better applicant or you think you can do these things to make yourself more competitive, then do it. Um, and it was, it was a friend of mine, because I lost a lot of sleep over making the decision if I was going to go mad. Because I was like, what if I take OCHEM and I fail and I ruin my GPA and I can't even get into PT school after that. Oh, yeah, that's and, true. That's, yeah. That's yeah, and so I had a, a really good friend of mine who was like, you know what, like, just like get into the mindset that you're applying for med school, take OCHEM, ace OCHEM, apply for med school, get into med school, and then decide if that's what you wanted to do. But at least that way, the option was always there for you. And you can never say one day that you don't know if you could have done it. Or you're unsure if you could have done it. Uh, you know, just commit wholeheartedly to it and then get to the point where then you get to make the decision on your own uh, if that's something you're going to do or not. Don't let, you know, don't let your own kind of like doubts about yourself stop you from even trying to do it. Yeah, no, completely. that's great advice. Thank you for sharing that. And I'm with you. Don't let anyone else tell you what you guys can do or what you can't do. I think I'm hearing it a lot too like too much lately that counselors are more discouraging and honestly i'm starting to think that they have kind of an ulterior motive they probably wanted you to go to pt school maybe did your um college have a pt school yeah actually yeah so this was before so my my med school is uh i'm the fourth class so actually back when it was recommended to do pt school we only had a pt school uh, so maybe there was some sort of thing there. I don't know. I don't know. I always think there's some ulterior motive, but like, oh, you know, if you go to the PT school, then the school will keep making money. <laughs> Whereas yeah, if, you, if you go to a different med school, you wouldn't. So I think maybe it's kind of their job to keep you there. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. I Something I, I tend to like tell people is like, you know, counselors are great for, you know, telling you what you still need to take to finish. But at the end of the day, like none of them applied to medical school. None of them ever went on interviews. They never did applications. They, at the end of the day, like they haven't had to go through the process. And I think that's why, um, that's, I think that's why guidance companies like pre-med guidance companies are starting to like really take off lately is because I think they're just giving a lot better advice. They're hiring like med students, they're hiring physicians. Uh, and so you're kind of getting a much better source of like what you should be doing. That's going to make you stand out rather than like, more of like a cookie cutter plan. And I, so I think it's becoming more popular to kind of go by the guidance of some of these companies. And I'm so glad that that's becoming a thing because I only had my counselors to ask or like other people that have gone through this. And it wasn't that many. I felt like I didn't really have too many people I could bombard with questions. And, you know, just in the last podcast that's going out, we were talking about how we didn't even know DO school had a different application website, a Comas versus AMCAS and just like even basic stuff like that. And she didn't apply to DO school because she didn't budget for it, you know, cause she found out last minute. And I'm sure she's not the only person that's had to like go through that and find out last minute. So for those of you who like really have no idea what to do, like us, I'm so glad that there's so many more med school students who are on platforms now, like Instagram who can answer your questions too. I feel like I didn't have much of that either while I was applying and then it really started to take off but definitely reach out to people like Sean. His Instagram is at Sean Anderson. I'm gonna spell it out real quick. So it's at S-H-A-U-N-A-N-D-E-R-S-E-N. And just like ask people, ask as many questions as you can. There's never a dumb question. And 
it's going to really just help you take off faster, you know, than you already would. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so much, Sean, for coming on today. I had a great time speaking with you, connecting with you, and kind of learning more about how your first year has gone and how your application was. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. If you guys have enjoyed the podcast, make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss any new episodes released every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Also, if you've learned one little thing from the show, I would really appreciate it if you could leave a rating and review. It means a lot to me and I read them all. I'll see you guys in the next one.